This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. On a great day for talk radio, the Friday edition. Earlier today, we saw where the premier and the mayor were uh, at this news conference uh, at the police college uh, in in Etobicoke when they were announcing uh, the expansion of closed-circuit television on some of the more troubled areas in Toronto. They're going from 34 cameras to 74, and the mayor suggesting that uh, there's value to the video evidence. Uh, That brings, perhaps, uh, it makes it easier for the cops to resolve certain cases. On that note and other such related topics, let's get Dave Perry in here, Global News Radio's crime and security expert. David, good afternoon as always. Good afternoon. How are you on this Friday? I'm fine. How about you? I'm doing great. Good. Uh, what do you make of the announcement earlier today from the mayor and uh, the premier, the additional $3 million over three years in funding, and that's to commit to CCTV cameras, uh, the numbers increasing uh, more than twofold. Good idea? Good idea. The more cameras, the better uh, to combat all the crime that we're seeing these days, the violent crime, the, the shootings, and so on. And as the technology gets better, there there are components that can be added to the cameras that can really assist the police, like uh, software that can help detect if somebody's carrying a firearm. And uh, some of the more sophisticated equipment that's just coming out now can actually identify, you know, what kind of a firearm, whether it's a rifle or a pistol or whatever. It's going to give the, the police uh, extra tools for sure. You don't. You mentioned that the resolution of these things, uh, if it's you know. I'm assuming they'll be digital and not the grainy kind of stuff you see from, uh, say, front lobbies in townhouses and such. Because back in 2011, I believe it was, in Vancouver, when they had the riot after the uh, Canucks lost the Stanley Cup to the Bruins, they had masses of humanity in the streets and uh, doing antisocial kinds of things. But the imagery was so precise that it was easy to pick these people out or, you know, post their images and then somebody dropped the dime on them. Uh, do you anticipate that the CCTV camera thing, that uh, the, the contemporary versions anyway, uh, have that capacity? Yeah, I believe that they're going with the, the newest and latest equipment. And I, like you, I, I watched some of that video from Vancouver with fascination, especially with some of the video that you would see was perhaps 30 or 40 stories high you know, shooting from a rooftop. Mm. And uh, when they zoomed in, you could you could pick up every pixel, every whisker on somebody's face and easily be able to identify them. Of course, that's what they're going for here. It's about prevention because people, at least the theory is, they tend to behave a little bit better if they know there's lots of cameras around. And, of course, identification if there is uh, a violent crime or any other kind of crime, you know, it's a very important piece. Well, privacy concerns going to be a consideration in all of this? I don't think so. Generally speaking, if we're in the public, um, you know, there are no privacy rights. And people, if they don't already know it, they might as well get used to it. You're on camera, you know, dozens, if not hundreds of times a day as you make your way around anywhere. It doesn't even have to be a major city like Toronto. It can be anywhere. So you're being captured on video from storefronts and banks and restaurants and and you name it. And, uh, and of course, the police and uh when you're in the public uh, venue, that's uh, that's open to, to anybody, to including the police, to, to use that if they have to do investigate a crime. And video evidence, is that incontrovertible proof in a court? 
Well, it depends. Um, you know, we're probably not going to rely on one single piece of evidence like video, but certainly video can lead you to uh, facial recognition, the identification of suspects and, and an arrest. And then the rest of the investigation will pull all the extra pieces in, but it can be a, an integral part of an investigation in a court case. How would you determine where you'd place these cameras? If they're going from 34 to 74, uh, what criteria would they use for placement? Well, they're going to do crime analysis, which they do on a very regular basis. They're going to start with the hot spots where they're having, you know, regular activity, criminal activity, and uh, they're going to set up in sort of the high crime areas, the areas where there have been, for example, the most shootings, the most gang activity, street robberies, all of that kind of, all of those kinds of things. They're going to focus very heavily on those on those places. Yeah, entertainment district might draw a short straw on this one. Uh, I'm not it, sure. There's a lot going on in the entertainment district. Uh, you know, there's a lot of not just gang activity, but there's a lot of organized crime activity. There's a, an awful lot of the the spillage of alcohol that comes out onto the streets of, of the entertainment district every night with a couple of hundred thousand people pouring out of bars and restaurants with way too much alcohol on board and that in itself brings uh you know problems of you know fights and violence and street robberies and things like that so my guess is there's going to be a pretty intense focus in that area because it is it is an area of concern yeah that's kind of where uh, i was going with that because i think drawing the short straw means uh they're going to be a candidate for sure here's something i've I've wondered about as well yesterday at around this time we had this traffic chaos at Bay and College Street, and uh, allegedly somebody ran a red light and uh, took out some pedestrians and uh, ran into two cars going westbound as they were heading northbound. Uh, the person in the Toyota Highlander that allegedly ran the red light at college was going north on Bay. Turns out now it was an Uber driver. Uh, but it makes me wonder about the uh, effectiveness of uh, red light cameras because increasingly I think in the city people are rushing they're trying to beat out the light uh, I see this personally this is anecdotal now but do you think we need more cameras to govern this kind of behavior I, I think we do and and for me in the in the public arena I think the more cameras the better I think most people in the public would agree that having more cameras uh, rather than less would be a good thing for all of us it's all about public safety and the more we can do with technology to get there the, the better for all of us i got to ask, Dave Perry's with us, Global News Radio's crime and security expert, on another matter of public safety. Uh, there was a, a Facebook posting or a screen grab that shows uh, a young man who's taken one of these highway signs that says right lane exits. Uh, he was at the overpass at Winston Churchill and the QEW and heaved this, heaves this thing onto the eastbound lanes. And uh, for whatever point or purpose, I guess, except to uh, post it and get the yucks of his friends and that. And then, you know, we've had a story, too, where recently there was a young lady tossed a chair off a balcony in downtown Toronto. Uh, I got another story here about a young lady uh, pouring a drink into a mailbox. It makes me wonder if it was ever thus that you've got young people behaving badly or social media somehow uh, amplified the situation now. And this is somewhat of a new phenomenon. What do you say? Yeah, I think it's a new phenomenon, and I think it's uh, something that points to what we always talk about, the new challenges with millennials and this feeling of entitlement and their, you know, their their need to shock and their need to for adrenaline rushes. So, you know, they're not typically what we consider criminals, but they're committing criminal acts for thrills, and they're thrill seekers, and they will challenge each other, and they will post on social media, and then their friends will all try and outdo them. So it can become quite a revolving circle. And the next thing you know, you've got a pattern of crime that's happening that you didn't even anticipate. Yeah, and it's being uh, generated in large part by uh, the desire for notoriety. Uh, 
on the internet or uh, social media. You mentioned millennials. This is a story I saw in the Star yesterday, how millennial mobsters are changing the face of organized crime. Don't know if you saw it, but uh, the premise being that these young millennials are uh, entitled, they're impatient, and they've got computer skills and organized crime. It's not your daddy's mafia. Uh, How do you see it? Yeah, I see it exactly that way. There's uh, a new group that I've been hearing an awful lot about called the Wolfpack Alliance. And uh, word on the street, if you will, is these are the people you have to really be concerned about because they're millennials. They're empowered. They're entitled. They have lots of cash because of their activities, including uh, distribution of narcotics. And they're impatient. So they uh, settle scores immediately. They settle scores not by traditional or organized crimes ways where they would be, you know, perhaps... Um, some extortion or some kidnapping to get somebody to pay a debt. These people, if you don't pay, you die. So they, that's how they collect. They, they would rather take a life than have an outstanding debt. And, and they're, they're not afraid to use, you know, lethal, lethal force. They're not af- afraid to use firearms. They're, they're, they're not afraid of the police. And, uh, and they're fairly well organized. And here's the thing. It's not like traditional organized crime where by culture you would have traditional organized crime groups, these people that belong to these alliances could come from multiple countries, so different ethnicities and different, uh, you know, let's just say uh, different ideas about what it is they're trying to accomplish, but they become an alliance, and with their alliance comes power, and it also uh, gives them the availability of of extra uh, violence by using a particular group like they might use a, a motorcycle gang to do some enforcement for them. And we all know how violent that can get. And so they're, they're, they're mobilized, they're organized, they use uh, technology. They're into white-collar crime. They're into frauds on levels that we've never seen before. You know, there's a real big scam going on these days that involves these people with, with vehicles where they just sign up uh, a university student and, you know, from... Let's say they're an international student. They'll sign them up, give them a Mercedes-Benz, and they say, we'll pay for the car for a year. That student goes back to their home country, and that car is never seen again. It's in a container, and it's off to somewhere across the ocean. So there's all kinds of activity that's related to this group. The Wolf Pack Alliance, and they don't take their cues from any central command? They don't take their cues from any central command, and that's the biggest difference that I'm hearing about. We're in traditional organized crime. You know, the head of the mafia, for example, People tended not to do anything without the blessing of the godfather or somebody that was in charge of that particular traditional organized crime group. But these people are entitled, and they don't believe they have to listen to anybody, especially their elders. So they will react on emotion and anger. And if somebody wrongs them, and it could be something as minor as something that they consider an act of disrespect, and uh, they will revert to violence to settle that score. If it's a debt, they will revert to violence up to and including homicides. Well, that might expa- uh, you know, explain the or account for the, the killings that we've seen in Toronto that are still unresolved. Dave, uh, that's an ominous note. I'll let you go. I appreciate your weighing in, as per usual, and we'll talk soon. Always a pleasure. Have a great weekend. You too. Dave Perry, Global News Radio's crime and security expert. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.